Welcome everyone to episode 16 of Turn-Based, the RPG podcast here at thecoalition.com. I am your host, David Jagno, here to talk to you about some fantastic and wonderful role-playing games. I'm joined by my usual co-host. Say hi. Hey, what's up? This is Gary Swaby from thecoalition.com. Good to be back for another Turn-Based. And we've got another guest who you've heard before, the wonderful and sexy-voiced... Say your name. Do I say my name? Uh, uh, yes, Rams or Ramiz, or however you want to pronounce me, I guess. But yes. There you go. There you go. He's back. <laughs> All right, so first, let's just talk about what everyone's been playing, since our lives are incredibly interesting. I guess you can go first, Swift. What all have you been up to? Um, I haven't really been up to much besides working and trying to schedule, you know, plans and stuff for future TK endeavors. But um, awfully cryptic. Yeah, very. Um, you know, I've I've played a few games here and there. Um, nothing really RPG based. Um. Well, I did play Final Fantasy Thirteen, but I always play that, so that's nothing new. But, uh, yeah, I beat God of War Ascension, I got past the uh, Trials of Achilles, or whatever it's called. Uh, that's the really hard part that everybody was complaining about. Um, they're actually, like, issuing a patch to, to make that part of the game easier, but I'm glad that I managed to beat it before they actually issued the patch, so I'm quite proud of that. And I have the trophy, so, you know, people can check that and, you know, you'll, you'll know that I'm telling the truth. Does that ever, is that ever an issue? Or are you like, yeah, man, I beat this game. No, uh, I'm going to check your trophy. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes when you're in, like, when you're doing game journalism, or if you even want to call it that, what we're doing, but um, if you're in the industry you know, to that extent, sort of thing. People would like to call out your credibility at times and <laughs> see if you really are a true gamer. Shots so, you know, they might they might actually check your trophies, especially if you're you're reviewing a game as well. They might check your trophies to see how much you actually played the game uh, before re- reviewing it and stuff. You know, one thing I've noticed though is that a lot of the time, I, well, I don't want to say a lot of the time. This happens more on Steam than it does on PS3. But if I if I play a game before it comes out, sometimes it doesn't register that kind of stuff. Yeah. At least on Steam, that's been an issue. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there there was actually um, a 360 game. I think it was Alpha Protocol. Um, I reviewed that and I never got one achievement. So um, I think maybe the the review sample didn't allow you to get the achievements or something. Yeah, possibly. All right. Well, what have you been playing, Rams? Um, honestly, not really much. Uh, the last game I've been playing is Tomb Raider, and um, I've kind of been slow with it. Really, like, haven't really gone through the game as I expected or I thought I would. Uh yeah, I don't even know where I'm up to. To be honest, in that game, <laughs> I, just, I, I just played it a little bit, and then I've taken like four days off a break. And then all around me, people have completed the game, and uh, I'm in the same yeah. position. Yeah, yeah. 
it's kind of uncomfortable positioning, but <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's the only game I've been playing really. I was kind of looking forward to Bioshock, but I haven't got that yet, and uh, not much else to be honest. Not much else. It's kind of disappointing actually. Cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I haven't finished Tomb Raider yet either. I hope to finish it soon. Um, once I have less stuff to review, I'll probably go back and play that more. Um, yeah, so I've been reviewing a lot of stuff. I've got a few more left before March is over. Uh, you can see my review of Generation of Chaos on the site, Pandora's Reflection. It's a really simplistic strategy game, RPG. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it was alright. I think I gave it like a 60. It wasn't really, it wasn't like terrible, but it just wasn't that great. Um, let's see what else. Actually, you're Aisha, I think I think is how you say the name. Uh, Alchemist of Dusk. I've been playing that. It's it's interesting. It's not as deep as I was expecting a JRPG to be. It's kind of it's pretty simple actually, and the story is really kind of whimsical. And I don't know. It's 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 an okay game. And then Hyperdimension Neptunia Victory. I did start that. It's exactly what I expected. If you go look up a trailer, then you'll know exactly what you're going to get. It's, uh... Yeah, is it good? Like, because, uh... The other day when you was talking about this game, I was actually thinking, like, that's something I might want to play. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting for your full-on verdict before I jump in. I don't really know quite enough to say yes or no yet. It's... I don't know. It's it's not a game for everyone. I'll say that. Uh, that's all I can really say at this point. You'll know more by the end of the week, probably. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Neverwinter. I've been playing the uh, third beta for that. They finally opened up PvP and everything to the public. They have a new class, the Great Weapons Fighter. Uh, there's more stuff in the Foundry to play. And... I stand by that list I made at the beginning of the year. I think this is going to be the best free-to-play MMO this year. And after playing in the betas and, you know, interviewing the producer and looking into all the stuff about the game, I, I definitely believe that. It's really, really good. So, if you're yeah, listening to this... Yeah, I can't wait to give this game a try. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If if you're listening to this and you haven't been able to get into, into the beta and you didn't sign up on our site, then you're wrong and you suck at life, because you should have played. So, yeah. And that's about all I've been playing. <laughs> well, we did play some Planet Side 2 yesterday, which was pretty fun for a while. That's true, that's true. We did play that for a few hours. Um, yeah, it, it has its moments. Like, there there was, like, a period of about an hour or so there where it was just, like, really, really fun. Yeah. But then everything else was kind of a mixture of really frustrating, really boring, and then every now and then really fun. So, I don't know. It, it has its moments. I'll probably play it again, so I guess that's good. Yeah, the thing is with that game, it's like there's too many, like, slow moments. Like, um, if you're just constantly in the action and, like, you actually feel like you're making a difference to the battles and stuff, then it can be really fun. But, um... In between, when you're like traveling and stuff, like it gets a bit boring. And when you're trying to organize, you know, stuff with your team and all that stuff, that can get pretty boring. Yeah, like there were some moments I remember where, 
like we were trying to defend our base or whatever, and I was in a pretty good spot, and I was sniping. And it was really fun, because I was able to actually kind of hold people off. They were afraid to, like, leave their building because they didn't know where I was. And there was mm. another part where I'd, like, used my stealth ability and snuck into a base and was sneaking around. It was pretty fun whenever stuff like that happened. But then, like you said, you know, if I'm sitting on the back of a Jeep driving across the game for 20 minutes, it gets kind of tedious. Yeah. All right, so uh, next I want to touch on a couple more brief things for MMOs before we jump into regular news. First is that Raiders, it's a free-to-play MMO from Perfect World Entertainment that's um, kind of half MMORPG, half Monster Hunter. Basically, because you you know you do a lot of monster hunting, and they're like really really big monsters and stuff you fight and stuff like that. Um, they have a new expansion that has like a whole new region. It has I want to say three or four new big bosses. It's got some new content, a PvP arena. Uh, they raised the level cap, so it did a lot of stuff, and it's free, so it's already in the game. So you should go check nice. that out because that game's really good. I played it in the beta. I haven't played it since it released, but I had fun when it was in beta. And have you seen anything about the game, Gary? No, I haven't. But um, this whole, like, Monster Hunter um, concept, it seems like something that's really big. And um, I do want to try and get into to one of them these days, because I've never really got into it. Yeah, it's a bit different than the actual Monster Hunter franchise, because that one's not really an RPG. It's okay. the only progression that's in the Monster Hunter series is really your gear. Because you hunt monsters, you like use their hides to make new weapons and armor, and that's how you more or less level up. There's not like a leveling system with abilities and stats, really. But this game is, you know, it's an MMORPG that has quests and everything, just like anything else. But then the gameplay is more action-oriented, because there's like a crosshair system instead of targeting, and the monsters you know, are, like, really big, and you have to memorize their patterns and stuff. They're, like, boss fights. So, yeah, it's pretty good. And one more MMO thing, since we're talking about action-based gameplay, for free-to-play focus this week, I'll be doing Terra Rising, which is previously a pay-to-play game that actually, it's been out less than a year. It came out last year, and uh, it's going, it went free-to-play a few months ago. So I'll be looking at that. I have not played it yet as of this recording, but I've heard good things, and there are lots of boobies, so it's probably awesome. So it's a plus. Yep, yep. Yeah, that always that will sell me easy. <laughs> yeah, so if you like boobies and you like video games, which if you're listening to an RPG podcast, you like both those <laughs> things, then you should check out Terra, because it's supposed to be pretty good. Okay, now there's something that I know Gary wanted to talk about. Some lightning returns info. Yeah, um, well, there was some new screenshots that came out. Um, I'll link that in the article. It uh, looks pretty good. Um, there was like a sandstorm and everything, and it showed lightning. But um, really what I wanted to talk about was the fact that it seems like they've um, bring back towns and, you know, bartering and stuff like that, um, which was absent from Final Fantasy 13 completely and in 13-2 it was there to some extent but um, not not what we're used to seeing in a Final Fantasy game so um, 
it's good to see that they're bringing back, you know, bartering and um, exploring towns and talking to people and stuff like that, because that's something we're used to seeing in, you know, big scale RPGs. So I'm glad that, you know, they put that back. It's a good sign. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering how, you know, how deep they're going to go into bringing back some of those elements. Like, is it just going to be a couple hubs here and there between the linear paths that you walk down? Or do you think it's going to be yeah, actually, that, like, worlds you can explore and have, like, a world map and that kind of stuff? Yeah, see, that's the thing. That, that That's basically what um, Final Fantasy thirteen two was, what you just described. Like, just um, hubs in between, you know, your, um, your basic path that you have to follow. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that uh, this time around, you know, they bring back like a full world that you can explore and you can travel between towns um, as and when you like, you know, that sort of thing, giving you more choice of, especially with grinding, like, because I miss when you could just go back to different areas and just, you know, grind in that area and before moving on to the next part of the game and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Giving the option to do that kind of stuff is nice, because sometimes you just want to play the game, but you don't have a whole lot of time, or you don't feel like getting into the story much, but you just want to play. So it's nice to be able to kind of just explore and do whatever you want sometimes. And, you know, especially Final Fantasy, people love just talking to people and soaking up the world, and, yeah, like you said, thirteen was really missing that. Yeah. Um, I want to know kind of exactly what the popularity of 13 is you know that's it just seems like this is the only final fantasy game that's released for the um you know the current consoles that we're on now like the 360 ps3 and they've just constantly expanded on it you know i mean a game like final fantasy 7 they say it's like a 20-year project and it can be tiring but it is a popular final fantasy game you know people love the characters people love the story i mean is that kind of the same effect with thirteen or no, not at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, why it's... why is there so much focus on that game? I'm not hating on it or anything. I'm just like quite curious, like that they haven't stretched towards. Um, well, I heard fourteen was cancelled. Is it? It's being remade. Well, remade. No, fourteen right? isn't. Fourteen is an MMO. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was that's where I had. And then, um, okay. So what about for fifteen? Like. There's no news about that well, right now. There's, there's a big yeah. there's a big rumor regarding that actually. Oh well, um, yeah, because of the the PlayStation meeting. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I'm hearing that um, basically Final Fantasy Versus is being turned into 15, and right. that's what they're going to reveal at E3. But um, yeah. that remains to be seen. Right. But um, as far as 13 though, um, it's nowhere near the level of Final Fantasy 7. But um, me personally, I have a love-hate relationship with Thirteen because um, I think it was it was a really good story, and um, visually it was one of the best Final Fantasy games, like one of the best-looking Final Fantasy games. One of the best-looking games. Yeah. In general, it it holds up well to this day, and it's like it came out like two thousand nine or something. I mean, to be yeah. fair, in that case, it's, it's again, it's the only game that's. And it's the only Final Fantasy game that's out on the 360 and PS3, so the graphics comparing that to a PS2, of course, it's going to be better, definitely. Well, no, I mean, comparing it to any game out is what I was Okay, thinking. right, okay. That's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah I, like, I think it's it's a change in focus, really. Like, as you said, the Final Fantasy seven, eight, you know, ten, 
those games were like big, giant, sweeping adventures where you could go explore and you know meet all these different people, and you got really attached to the characters. And then I think the general premise and the like design ideas behind Thirteen are less on story development and more on just gameplay and like presentation. Right. So I think that's what they've shifted to. Because, I mean, playing 13 well, is really fun. Like, the gameplay is good. I mean, do you guys prefer it that way, or do you prefer it that, you know, you rather get a, a complete new Final Fantasy story and play throughout this vast, massive, huge world sort of thing? And Well, I kind of actually think the opposite. Um, I think Final Fantasy strengths are its story and its presentation, but as far as, like, the core mechanics, it's it's been real, really scaled back from what Final Fantasy used to be. And that's my biggest gripe with the series. And um, as far as them continuing it with um, 13.2 and Lightning Returns, um, fans aren't asking for that. They're just, you know, <laughs> kind of giving that to us. Yeah, that's the thing but, that um, confuses me. You know, like, Square Enix is... It reminds me of Nintendo. Like, they have the potential to create some of the... If they, if they would listen to what people wanted... They could, they they could just make billions of dollars. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the question I'm coming towards. Like, obviously, is there's so much focus on thirteen and kind of expanding it and everything. I mean, I'm quite confused. I've never actually thought of it to be kind of such a massive popular game, like a fan favorite as seven is, as eight is, as ten is, and nine. And well, I, I don't know why I counted backwards then, but yeah. Um, <laughs> just decided to miss nine for the sake of it um but yeah you know those games they, they they're popular and people love you know playing through them and then 13 it had like a mixed reaction and i felt like you know they did these expansions of stories because it was kind of their way of trying to make up for things missing perhaps in 13 yeah i think that's an interesting point that you know you would think that they would give us more of what we love but if yeah. you, if we love something so much, they don't want to ruin it, so they don't want to touch it. Right. But yeah. if it's a mixed reaction, they think, okay, well maybe we can make another one and kind of make people like the that storyline more. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know everybody's asking for a remake of Final Fantasy VII, but they are kind of giving us something they want with um, Final Fantasy X, the the remaster and stuff. Right. But um, we'll talk about that more later, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to do a, one of my, you know, cheesy segues again. Speaking of really intense worlds and getting attached to the lore, I think Gary had a Q&A with the, the lead writer. <laughs> yeah, that was really forced, but... Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I have a... to do segues, though. I always do segues. A great weird effort right there. But <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah, the lead writer for Dragon Age, you got to ask him some questions. And just for people, if they go and read this, it it was not a verbal Q&A or over their phone or on Skype where they had a conversation. You sent him questions and then he sent answers back. So you didn't get to ask follow-ups, right? Yeah, I'm really disappointed about that as well because, you know, once I got his answers back, there was... Um, questions that I wanted to expand upon and maybe reword and stuff. Right. But um yeah. 
I got to do an interview with the lead writer of Dragon Age, uh, David Guider, and I'm really proud, um, you know, of having that opportunity. And you know, it was it was fairly good. He he explained the writing process, you know, for a game like Dragon Age. Yeah, and I mean, and, especially uh, for you, because Dragon Age Origins is one of your favorite games of all time. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, so this is like an honor for me, and um, you know, I've I've got a lot of the books as well from Dragon Age, which are written by him. And um, you know, also I've like because he posts on the Bioware forums and stuff as well. So I've I've read a lot of threads about him, and you know I know a lot about him already, well, that which crazy. is kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, have you have you written him any letters or anything? Or oh no, no okay, no. okay. But yeah, um, as far as the Q and A, um, he yeah he revealed quite a lot. I mean, it w- we wasn't allowed to ask questions about um Dragon Age three or anything, so this is mainly regarding the first two games, and you know I, I kind of split it in half like with the first part of the interview talking about the first game and how he got into it and how the world was created, and then the second half of the interview was more about transitioning to the second game and you know the conflicts that were involved with that game and uh, the reception. So yeah, definitely go check it out. Um, what you what did you think of it, David? I thought it was a really interesting Didn't. read. Um, yeah, there was. I thought that you know, like you said, you kind of started out talking about the background of him, then you went into the background of Origins and kind of what made it special, mm-hmm. and then I think whenever you transitioned into talking about Dragon Age Two, I think this is the stuff that you wanted to follow up on. Am I correct? Yeah, that's where I wanted to get the good stuff out of him, but you know he um, he was a little vague, uh, which I understand why. Um, you know, it, Dragon Age Two is a very controversial topic when it comes to you know the Dragon Age games. Right. So uh, I guess I can understand why he didn't you know offer up a lot of detail, but um, that's where I was hoping to get you know a lot of good answers from him. Yeah, I think one of the more interesting parts of that Q&A is whenever you asked about, um, the question was, was it necessary to shift away from some of the fans' favorite characters in order to expand on the world itself? And I think his answer is interesting because, you know, as someone, as a writer, it would be, it's kind of one of those things that you get torn between because you don't want to give them too much of a good thing. Because, you know, gamers are going to get tired of characters, they want to see new stuff, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to to walk that line between too much and not enough. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, you you brought this up earlier, um, Bioware's other big RPG franchise, Mass Effect, um, when they went to, you know, the second game, they, I mean, there was a big change in characters and stuff, and the team... But um, they did bring back a lot of the the old characters that you like, you know, a lot of the fan favorites. And even if they weren't playable in the squad, they were there in some, you know, in some regard. But with Dragon Age, it's like the main characters that we cared for, they were just taken taken completely away from the story sort of thing. And um, that's what upset a lot of fans. But um, I mean, from a business side, I guess I can understand why they did it. Because, um, you know, maybe they do want to give us 
you know, a lot of their other stuff later on, but maybe they need time to build up something else first, you know. Yeah, so it could be kind of interesting because if you look at uh, Dragon Age 2 and if you look at Mass Effect 2, both of those games had very different casts, right, of main characters. But then if you look at Mass Effect 3, it was mostly the original characters from Mass Effect 1. So maybe Dragon Age 3 is going to take a similar approach, possibly. that's that's what I'm thinking. I mean... I think a lot of fans will be hurt if they don't find out more about Flemeth and Morrigan and, you know, Alistar and all those other characters from Origins that we came to love. It has to be the case. So it has they have to include this god baby story. Um Alistair wise, I mean he sort of makes an appearance in Dragon Age two anyway. Yeah. If he's alive from your Origins game and you carry that over to this one. Otherwise, you get some random French guy. Um, yeah, really. It's weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he just appears and he's like, I am a... I am a... Uh, um, I hunt. I, I kill. What was he from Orlais? Because Orlais is like their version of France, basically. Probably, but he was a... Um, what are they called again? Uh, the people that can slay the dragons and stuff. Oh, uh, he was a Grey Warden. Grey Warden, yeah. He was a Grey Warden. He's basically Alistair, but French. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was just there, and he's like, I am a Grey Warden. Eh. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But Alistair makes his appearance in the Dragon Age 2, and it'd be interesting if he carries on, if you, you know, again, drag your character origin stories to this one. Maybe the Champion of Kirkwall as well, kind of has a meaning into the game as well. Um, yeah. But they can't I mean, they can't make it a separate story. They can't completely split away from this whole Flemeth thing. It would just piss yeah. a lot of people off. Yeah, I mean, aside aside from just um, changing, you know, certain characters and stuff, I think the biggest thing that threw people off was the fact that in the first game, you get to create, customize, and build up this this you know epic epic gray warden that's basically you like he's your character you make him and then in the second game they just force upon you this character that's pre-built right yeah he has a name he has a role already and you're just forced to be him and it doesn't you can't choose your race or anything you know it doesn't even change looks either i mean (laughs) it's like you know when you get to be the warrior mage or um rogue He's just the same. It's just the arm is the yeah, same. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, the biggest difference between the first and second game. Because, mm. I mean, it's not to say that predetermined characters can't be interesting, but if you're going to make a sequel to a game that had one of the most detailed and customizable main storylines ever, you can't just have a, you know the same character... For anyone that plays the game, like it just, it feels like it's not the same franchise. Yeah, because I mean that's that's the thing that stood out most about Origins. Like there were literally six different pathways. Yeah, like, and the greatest thing about it was those pathways didn't just affect the first couple hours. Like throughout the game, all the characters treated you differently based on your origin. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I get the feeling with. Three, it's gonna be like the whole EA treatment that they're gonna do this complete 
uh, like a storyline that sort of relates to you know origins stuff that happened. Right. But then if you want to know more, get the DLCs. You know, that's I, I honestly have a feeling that they're just going to constantly add DLCs that will explain more to the story, kind of like the Mass Effect treatment. You know, and yeah, that's yeah, at the moment about it. Like on day one, there's going to be a DLC for Dragon Age Three that's going to be called, you know, From Dust instead of From Ashes. <laughs> no, for, it'll, yeah, it'll be called From Dust, and it'll tell you how your character from Dragon Age One is the descendant of the character from Dragon Age 3 and how those stories are linked together. No, That's what, what's, what's going to happen. Ha- what's going to happen is you, you'll be able to download your Origins guy <laughs> and you'll find him in a coffin and he won't know, <laughs> he won't know who he is. Oh, he yes! And then you'll get to replay the memories exactly. that he has that took place after Dragon Age Origins yeah. and it links to... No, you, yes. you, won't, you, won't even, you won't even get to play it. You just have to watch it in black and white. <laughs> It's just a big fuck you, you know. Oh my god! I think I think we're onto something. <laughs> That's going to be the first DLC before the game comes out. Yeah. And then the second DLC is going to be to re-explain the ending, because the ending is going to be that you know you have five choices, all of them include you dying. Um, yeah. And they you're not include... exactly the god baby either. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. In and... fact, the god baby is the one that's telling you to die in five different ways. <laughs> you know, because he's a god baby and everyone fears him, but he won't do fuck all. It's up to you to die and save the world. And then that, yeah, they're going yeah. to release a DLC to explain that ending properly for some strange reason, which will still make no sense. Uh, and then, then, the, uh, then the next one will be about some huge, massive beast, some some new creature that no one's ever heard of. It's actually more feared and more powerful than the dark spawn. <laughs> and you gotta read it before before the secret's out or something, before the dark spawn get to it first. Right, right, and, exactly. And lock the, the, lock the whole secret. You know. <laughs> and then the next DLC is gonna be you fight a dragon. <laughs> that there's actually gonna be a dragon in the game. That's to download. Because <laughs> the whole game yeah. itself is not gonna have a dragon in it. There's not gonna be any <laughs> dragons. But you download a dragon. That's going to be the next one. Then the one after that is a new species. Is you you just download them. That's it. They don't do anything. They just uh, <laughs> just walk around in the field. <laughs> That's it. They just appear. You don't even get to talk to them. You just see them in the game. They're just additional characters. That's it. Your Ram should be a writer. Man. <laughs> should really be a game. <laughs> Project Red Panda, man. Look out, DG. He's coming for your job. <laughs> I'm coming for it, man. EA. No, but yeah, going full circle back to um, David Guider, Um I actually think that look Dragon that, Age look at that actually. Way. That, was, that was nice. There you go. <laughs> oh, thank you. See, that's how it's done. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> I actually think that um, Dragon Age has great DLC, like, especially Origins, like, they had real meaningful DLC and expansions that actually meant something and expanded what the main game was. Um, with Dragon Age 2, not so much, I guess, but, um, there was one of them that I liked, the one with Felicia Day, um, that was really good. Is that the one with, uh, the ginger-haired girl's name, I keep forgetting it. Yeah, Felicia Day. Well, what, the character name I'm trying to remember... 
Oh, Liliana. Mad- oh, Liliana. There we go. Yeah. What the hell did I say? Madeline. <laughs> Madeline. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Yeah, that was meant to be really good, actually, that one. Um, but none of the others were anything meaningful or whatsoever. Which is kind of strange, because that story on, I'm quite intrigued with Liliana, you know, at the end of Dragon Age 2. Spoilers. Yeah. People that, for some reason, have not played it yet and want to listen to this. Um, you know, the ending, she has the army, doesn't she? Of yeah. that church people. <laughs> and uh, it'll be interesting what they do as well. So, like, who would their believer, who would their, uh, like, belief be if this god baby from Morrigan's, you know, an actual god and everything, would they go towards that? And I don't know, so many questions. So many things need to be answered and it probably won't be. <laughs> That's the way it works. Yeah, it? I think them throwing um, Leliana at the end of the game was basically just there to say, oh, yeah, look, th- this <laughs> does matter. This does matter. Oh, it yeah, does relate to what happened. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I remember she was in Origins. Yeah, yeah, she's a fan. <laughs> she did this. Oh, well. Yeah, I guess we can move on now. Word. All right, so next we're going to... Talk about the thing that Swift alluded to earlier, the Final Fantasy X and H. Whoa, X and X two. I don't know what H two is. I don't, yeah, I don't think that exists. <laughs> I don't think that's a Rome H two hammer. Yeah, so they are releasing an actual remastered version. Uh, first, I th- want to say that I think they picked the right game to remaster because. You know, first of all, it's easier because it's a PS2 game, so you know, upgrading it doesn't really take a whole lot. And second, I think that it's the best Final Fantasy game. But that's my opinion. I know a lot of people would say <laughs> seven or eight is better, but I think X is my favorite, and you know, that it's, it's the best one. So I think that that was a really good decision. Um, they also unveiled today that X, or not today, but recently that X2 is also being included. On the PS3 disc, you will get both, which I think is cool. I never played all of X2, mostly because I just didn't really like it. Um, you know, I'm, I might go back and play it now that they're re-releasing it along with 10. But, yeah. you know, it, it's a nice touch because you get the whole story because it was a direct sequel, and they don't do that often with Final Fantasy. So, good move, good move. Um, Until now. Yeah, I know. Now every Final Fantasy is going to be a trilogy, probably. Which, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, you you should link, or down in the description, we'll probably have a link to the post that has some more pictures and stuff. It yeah. The screenshots look fantastic. You know, some oh, people yeah. don't think they look that good, but those people are wrong, and it actually looks very, very good. If, if you do a side-by-side comparison, you know, the resolution's higher, the textures are more detailed, all the, like, everything just looks smoother, it's not jagged anymore... It looks like a current-gen game. Like, they made it look like a PS3 game. Which, you know, is a lot better than some HD updates. Sometimes they just, you know, make it fit your screen and then they call it a day. So I think they really did a good job. Yeah, definitely. Um, those people who are doubting the, um, the the screenshots and stuff, like, they, they're delusional. Like, how can you not see a difference? Like, it... I'm actually really impressed because usually um, with HD remakes and stuff, there's actually not that much difference. Like, there's slight differences. 
but um yeah like go go play devil may cry hd and and look at that (laughs) yeah but this seems like they really worked on it like really long and hard pause but um (laughs) 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 but yeah i really can't wait to just play that game again um i played both games before um I think I stopped playing 10-2 right near the end because it just got a bit ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it will be good to go back and play both because um, I kind of forget a lot about what happened in Final Fantasy X. But I know that it is basically, like, one of my favorite games of all time. So just to revisit it again will be, you know, be a great experience. That's a good, um, that's a good amnesia film ready to be made I don't know about the game that much but I know I love it <laughs> gotta find out why um, but yeah <laughs> but no it's, it's a cool game actually it was the the one Final Fantasy which when the graphics just insanely improved and people just were amazed by the visuals of it all and the landscape was great the characters were really like compelling like you could fall into the characters really well um, except Wacker, you know, Wacker's. <laughs> He's my bro, man. <laughs> Wacker's cool, man. Leave him no, alone. no, I like Wacker. Don't don't get me wrong. It's just he's just a bit odd. <laughs> I scored the winning blitz goal with him after he announced his retirement and stuff. So you know, kudos. You know what I do find weird though, like um, Lulu was with Wacker's brother, um, and Wacker's brother died. And then, yeah. like in the in the next game, Waka and Lulu end up together. Like, yeah, they have a kid together. Wow, and what stuff. a douche! <laughs> so I mean, you can't blame him. Like, just... Lulu's hot. So. Lulu yeah, was a hot. bit, um, yeah, a standout, definitely. Uh, but no, the the games were really cool, and I didn't mind X two either. You know, I, I kind of liked um, Riku's hippie like character when you made her a white mage and stuff. And she'd be like all drowsy and kind of like all wavy and stuff. It was quite funny, but um, it was that was kind of like more the fun Charlie's Angels like style. Right, right, game. yeah. And uh, you know, it was a light-hearted thing, and you know, to finally give the story between Yuna and Titus and things like that. Um, I also learnt the language as well a little bit that different language that they spoke in so I can only oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that you had to and, like um, collect some stuff there right exactly you, you had to collect unlock the language or yeah something. I only managed to un- well I didn't not just one word but I can only remember one word from it it's just frana frana which just means where I don't know how <laughs> you, I don't know how useful that is but yeah <laughs> I just remember one of the characters going frana da bush Frana, Frana de la Bush. <laughs> I, I don't know what that meant, but I know it's spelt where. Um, but yeah, no, it was all really well done, and um, getting a HD remake of this game, I think it's the right call, definitely. I think, um, yeah, it's it's one of the most compelling stories you can fall for, and the character um, sets were very easy, and things, you know, Yuna was the summoner, uh, Lulu was the black mage, was it, or just the mage in general? Um, yeah, she was like a dark mage. Or dark mage, mage that would do. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, each character had their specifics, um, well, characteristics, and it was it was really cool. I also want to give I a really shout out, shout out to my guy Aaron, 
Or, that guy. Oh, yeah, he was a badass. Such a cool character. Very, very cool character he was, I, definitely. After I pl- first played that game, man, I wanted to wear sunshades for the rest of my life. Everywhere I, I went. To, yeah, I think everyone wanted to wear the big coat that covered their mouths and uh, yeah. <laughs> just the collar up and everything, and just have one arm available with a big sword. Yeah, he, made, he makes Cloud look like a bitch. You know, Cloud needs both hands. <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> first of all, spoiler, isn't even alive. Exactly. Second, only needs one hand. Third, <laughs> doesn't he can't breathe with that coat on, so he's just he's he's just awesome. Everything about that guy. I thought Kimari would be really cool as well, but he just kept dying. Yeah, he keeps <laughs> you, you know what I notice in Final <laughs> Fantasy games, like there's always um three characters that are always like the best together, the best at working yeah. together. Like, in 10, it's clearly Tidus, Yuna, and Oren. Oren, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in 13, it's uh, it's Lightning, Fang, and Hope. Like, I've noticed that trend in, like, every Final Fantasy game. I think, um, seven I can't remember. Was, in, seven was yeah. Cloud, Barrett, Tifa. Yeah. Um, eight was Squall, uh, Quistus. And Zell? No, no, wait, no. Uh, School, Zell, and Renoa, I think. Renoa was hot. Renoa was cool. Very cool. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, you, you always have like a perfect three, and it's usually yeah. with the originals, like original characters that, you know, that have uh, the meaningful story going on with them and such. Um Saying that though about eight and Renoa, Quistus was really really cool. <laughs> I really liked her. Um, but yeah, in general, there's always like the the three main that work together really well. And in this case, Auron yeah. was just badass. Yuna was the summoner; you had to have her. And um, and Titus is Titus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Waka was useful like when you had had like ranged combat when yeah. you needed to get someone far away. Um, I can't remember what Riku did, but um, Kimari was just useless. Like he didn't Riku was him. just there, kind of just nice to look at, whatever. Just <laughs> happy, happy girl. Yeah, yeah. Kimari, <laughs> Kimari was just the worst. Honestly, he looked so cool, and his entrance was wicked and stuff. Like you know, he's the bodyguard of Yuna and everything, but he was so terrible. Yep, I just, remember that guy. Lulu was just there. Um, uh, who's the other ones? <laughs> you, you, Lulu was useful, like when you were fighting elemental, um, yeah, enemies and stuff. Right. Yeah, and when you were fapping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh but no, it's definitely a cool um, remake. Um, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I think a lot of people will as well. Yeah, and uh, one thing to note is that. For PS3, like I said, both games are going to be on one disc, but for P- for Vita, they're being uh, released separately. Um, yeah, they haven't said if they're going to be digital only or if they're going to be retail also. So I don't know yet. I was plan I was hoping they would be cross buy because I wanted them both and have like cloud, you know, cross saving and stuff. But so it kind of sucks that they're not going to be. But it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'll just buy the PS3 version. But um, I did kind of want it on Vita as well, because, like, 
Um, I can imagine times when I'm away from home, bored, like I would love to just be able to stick on that game and just play. Like right now I've got um, Final Fantasy VIII on my Vita. So, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are the... They're they're like the perfect games for you to be able to take on the go because if you're on the bus or waiting somewhere, you can play for you know ten fifteen minutes and just you know grind out a few battles, and then you know mm. upload to the cloud and save it, and then whenever you pick it up on PS3, you'll have that experience. Exactly. But Square didn't want to do that, so whatever. <laughs> maybe one day, maybe one day they'll launch to their fans. Just one. Yeah. But I mean, since they're doing this for Final Fantasy X, um, we all know that the whole world actually wants a Final Fantasy VII remaster or remake. So, do you think that they'll eventually do it? Since they they've did this one, no. Like maybe next generation. No, I disagree. I think they will. Yeah, I, I think they. I think it's definitely coming, but they're gonna make us wait for it. I just feel like it's not needed. You know, I think it's kind of too late, in a sense. Well, the I reason know, why I think it's taking so long is because, you know, like I said, with with ten, it was a PS2 game, so it already has like you know pretty nice looking graphics, you know, all that kind of stuff. Seven, they're gonna have to rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah. Because that that game looks like shit. If yeah. you think, I'm. Oh no, go carry him. No, I was just going to say, um, I agree with what Rams says about it's not needed, because um, I don't think, like, personally, I don't think they should, like, I think that game should just be left as, you know, um, something you go back to and admire, you know, in its original state, but um, I think they will, just because they know that they can make tons of money from it, like, it's inevitable, it will happen. I mean, what I wanted to say was, it was like, um... Considering the the additional stuff that they've done with it, like the anime of Before Crisis, and then they've got the movie as well, the Final Fantasy VII movie, which kind of pretty much is after the game. Um, remaking the game itself would just be weird. If anything, with the way a lot of companies are working, and even in movies and stuff, I think they'll just make a sequel to the game, a Final Fantasy VII II, I don't know how you would title it, depending on how you fit the movie in. And honestly, I just think they'll just make a sequel to it more than anything. I don't... Uh, I think I think it's possible they'll do sequels, but I, I do think they're going to remake the first one. I just find it weird if they do. I don't... It, it is weird. Like, I, <laughs> I agree with what you're saying. Obviously, but, they won't um, listen to me. I'm just, just one guy. Just <laughs> business-wise, business-wise, yeah. it makes sense for them to do it. Understandable in that yeah, sense. I agree with you, though. Like... It's gotten to the point, like you said, you know, they have the anime, they've had, I think, either one or two spinoff games on, like, PSP. Oh, yeah, they had, they had Vincent game, didn't they? Yeah, Vincent Cerberus something. something, or what was the name? Random, random game no one cared about, basically. Yeah, I can't remember, the Crisis Core, that's what it was. Right, okay, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just as moody, it's basically the Raiden, Raiden of, um... Revenge and <laughs> the Final Fantasy <laughs> sort of thing. Right, Not right. Bad. But yeah, they had that. I think they're going to do something with the Red 13 character as well. Uh, I don't know why I'm thinking that specifically, but he was quite popular and um, he'll probably get his own game. Because um, especially when you watch after the Final Fantasy 7 ending, it's his 
it's him running with his children and stuff and they're looking at Midgar and uh, you know maybe something with him and his family and his heritage yeah who knows it's it's all interesting with Final Fantasy 7 but I don't know. I think it's all a bit too late. Even though it's to them a twenty-year project, remaking the game itself would just be a bit odd for me. Like I probably couldn't go back to playing that game, even if it's fantastic graphics and everything like that, because it's just it's just there now. It's just kind of considered a classic. Leave it at that. But yeah, other people have other opinions and. Marketing-wise, as Gary said, it's smart. It's definitely smart. Yeah. I guess time will tell. Indeed. Okay, so for the last topic on today's episode of Turn-Based, we want to give you a little bit more information on something that we originally announced last episode. If you are not aware of what we're talking about, you should go listen to the end of last episode and get caught up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I will give you a synopsis here. Uh, right now it's being called Operation Red Panda. Don't question it. Don't worry. Don't ask why it's called that. But we are in the process of making a 16-bit style JRPG-esque game. Um, yeah, so we didn't really tell you very much about it on the last episode. But basically... Uh, it's going to be about being a game journalist. And specifically, it's going to be about us. So the people from Coalition will be the primary characters. Um, everyone's not going to be playable, but everyone will be in the game. So get excited. And to give you a little a little preview, just of what you can expect, um, we can, we're going to tell you generally how the game begins. Because we've made some progress as far as um, the how the plot begins and that kind of thing. So you want you want to describe that, Gary, since you're the one that actually kind of wrote it and stuff. Yeah. So basically, um, the game is like a parody of the video game journalist industry, and um, the game begins with uh, let's say the lead character is David, and um, he's reviewing a game. And, you know, um, you actually get to play out that game that he's reviewing. But he falls asleep while reviewing the game. And, you know, it kind of um, just escalates and uh, it turns into like a personal thing. It takes elements from his personal life. And then eventually, you know, he gets awoken. But um, the the basic introduction of the game, which is his... Uh, the game that he's reviewing and dreaming about is basically like a tutorial stage and you know it's it's your cliche rpg traditional you know rpg style game and it's just going to be tons of humor in there um i mean david what did you think of it so far i really like the way that you set it up and um you know like you said it's going to kind of double as a tutorial it's kind of like an intro, but then at the same time, to make sure that the tutorial and the intro is familiar enough for people, we are kind of keeping it pretty cliche as far as kind of the dialogue and the events that happen. The graphic style is very a traditional high fantasy JRPG style stuff. 
You know, so, like, the intro starts out with the main character asleep, gets woken up, you know, like every RPG ever. Um, you know, my girlfriend got kidnapped. Uh, there's someone invading our village. All that kind of mm-hmm. stuff that you always see. So, um, that's not just, like, just so people understand, we're not being unoriginal. <laughs> like, we're not trying to just, like, be unoriginal, but it's a parody of that stuff. Yeah. So the details are in the writing and the way that stuff happens, not necessarily the content of the intro. It's all in the fun. Yeah. This whole game is like a parody and, you know, it's meant to be lighthearted, lighthearted and stuff. So I hope people see it for what it is and understand the humor of it and the creativity in it. Yeah. And then, but to make sure that it's still fun to play, we're putting a lot of work into making sure the battle system is fun. It's intuitive. (laughs) It's not too simple, you know. We want to make sure that like the animations and stuff are good. So you know, it's not just like a, a poorly made funny game, but it's actually a fun to play funny game. Exactly, and I mean, I actually love going back to play traditional RPGs in this kind of style. You know, like 2D, 8-bit. You know, I, I find it fun to just go back and play them from time to time, just to grind. Like uh, I usually don't play through the whole story or anything because you know it's just long but um i just go back just to to play that vintage rpg style and that's what i'm excited about for this game because it's it's our own creation and it's going to be exactly the type of game that i love playing sort of thing so i'm excited for it i've been doing the few sketches of characters of these guys in the coalition and i've done a few i've kind of had to switch with you know personal life as it is so I've been a bit delayed on that but yeah I drew Dave's face and I showed it to him and he cried and slapped me <laughs> and then he sent me back into the dungeon and I've just been kind of crying to myself in a corner for five days since <laughs> I'm not doing anything just just got so upset that he slapped me um yeah no, but uh, I think rough concepts I've been doing working on and it's a certain style for me and to get into as well with this whole thing so it's been really fun just tagging along and seeing the story unfold yeah this is going to be like a really great experience for us you know creatively like because I'm doing the writing you know I might be the next David Gaidar you never know <laughs> um, <laughs> <Smash> yeah <laughs> And Rams, you know, he's doing the art, so I'm sure that's like a whole learning experience for him as well. And David, you know, he's kind of the, the piece of thread that holds everything together. Like, he's doing a bit of everything. Like, he's organizing the whole thing. So, you know, he's going to pick up a lot of valuable skills from this too. Yeah. yeah. So be excited for that. And I think eventually, once we get to the point where we have more to talk about and more to show instead of just secretly announcing it at the end of turn base so no one hears it, we're going to actually like post about it on the site and actually try to get some feedback and more people involved. Uh, right now it's still kind of you know, in pre-production phases, I guess I would say. It's not even you know, to the point of being able to say it's like an alpha because like nothing is done. <laughs> it's just, we just, really talked about like how excited we are and what we can put in and thought about music as well i suppose and you know what we could do in certain scenarios and we're just 
making ourselves giddy just <laughs> playing this game, just thinking about this game that we actually forget to work <laughs> and actually do something. <laughs> but nonetheless, like we're down to it and it should be fun. It should be really fun. Yeah. And that's kind of why I like talking about it on the podcast as well, because like, you know, this podcast comes out every two weeks, so it gives us extra incentive to have something done before the next show so that we have something to report. So yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, this was a great episode, fellas. And Ramsey, you you had a lot to say. This I know, episode. I did. That's uh, quite interesting. I just you were, you were thinking you weren't really gonna say anything, but I know. Uh, I thought I'd just be the little spectator, and I thought I'd take Richard's spot and just laugh here and there, and <laughs> you know, just have one thing to say and. <laughs> And said I had quite a few things to say. So, yeah, nonetheless, thanks for having me on the show. Yep, it was great. It was great. And with that, we leave you. That was episode 16 of Turn Based. So, check back every two weeks for another episode and new information on Project, or sorry, Operation Red Panda. I know. (laughs) But, you know, it's going to be tough. It'll be a big project, and we have to put a lot of work into it, but for those reasons, we will succeed effortlessly. (laughs) Nicely done. Yes. So, bye. Have fun. Bye.